This is Chris. Welcome to episode 345 of X-Lapsed, where I'm sitting here staring at my cell phone, just waiting for that magic text message to pop to tell me that I no longer have, uh, you know, the the coof. I was uh, tested yesterday, and um, yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed that it's uh, all out of my system here, and hopefully within the next couple of days, uh, my voice loses whatever sexy raspiness it currently uh, has, so fingers crossed, fingers crossed. But uh, today, we've got an issue of X-Force. This is the second part of our X-Force double header, and it'll probably be eh, kind of a short episode. It's not a bad issue we're going to be discussing, but, um, well, I mean, it's a, it's a Ben Percy issue, which nine times out of ten means it's going to be good, it's going to be something I enjoy, but there just isn't going to be a whole heck of a lot to say about it. Maybe I'll figure some stuff out along the way, but uh, from the script I have right now, this probably won't be a long episode. So let's hop right in. This is X-Force, Volume 6, Number 27, which had a June 2022 cover date. And thank goodness they didn't relaunch this at a, as a new number one like they did for you know half the line here. It's nice to have some books in the double digits, which is so sad to say, isn't it? Um, the story title is From Cradle to Grave, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Robert Gill. Colors, Guru EFX, letters, G- VCs, Joe Caramagna, designs by Tom Muller with Jay Bowen. So, uh, I'm, unless I missed it in the past couple of episodes, which is very possible, I may have missed the Jay Bowen credit there, and if so, I apologize. But it uh, looks like our design team is uh, is now two. Uh, edits, Baumgartner, Basso, White, Sabolsky. Cover price $3.99. This one went on sale, allegedly, April the 6th of 2022. Now let's take a look at our cover here. Uh, we see X-Force fighting Forge, who is wearing a Cerebro helmet that has uh, tentacles coming out of it. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll be referring to this as the hentai helmet from uh, this point on. Now we open the issue at uh, Cerebro Cradle number 4, where Wolverine sort of kind of recounts the events of Zlato. Lado, or at least he kind of reacts to them. We get an editorial footnote that refers to Zlato, Slado as being, quote, now classic, which has almost got to be a gag. Now, of course, we have discussed all ten parts of that story here on the show, so there's probably seven to eight hours worth of my inane chatter dedicated to it in the archives if you are interested in following along. From here, we jump into a double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred, our characters include Wolverine, Beast, Colossus, Domino, Black Tom, Omega Red. So we are wasting 
absolutely no time in bringing him back then, huh? Hmm. Also, Xavier, Sage, Forge, Kid Omega, and Abigail Brand. Back to comics, and we are in the Quiet Council Chamber. Now, it's worth noting here that Magneto is still seated next to Charles, so I'm going to have to assume that this scene is taking place before Immortal X-Men number one. Now, Beast, he's here to argue for Omega Red Cerebro backup to be uh, expunged. Basically, he's saying that, uh, you know, Omega Red is a danger and he should never, ever, ever be brought back. Which, eh, you know, isn't the worst plan, all things considered, seeing as though Red tried to, you know, majorly F with the timeline during Zlato. Zlato. And of course, I mean, the anticlimactic fight at the end of Zlato, Zlato, between Red and Logan, had to be for something, right? We're not just gonna throw that away, huh? Well, let's find out. It's worth noting, Beast removes his glasses here, and we see that he's still missing his left eye. Now, if you recall, he'd removed that eye a few issues back after one of the Russian nesters got into it. Now, it looks like he hasn't gotten around to having it healed. Not sure why he wouldn't, though. Um, I don't know, maybe he's keeping it as a reminder or a souvenir or something. Uh, Also, let's keep in mind that this is the only book that shows him missing the eye. You know, all of his other appearances, he's still got both peepers. Um, And, I mean, it's not like we don't have a small army of editors on these books, right? How can we expect anybody to keep it straight? Anyway, um, old Hank's emotional plea is interrupted by the arrival of Sage, and she's here to offer a counterpoint. Now, she fills in the Quiet Council on some of X-Force's top-secret hoodoo, i.e. Omega Red working with the Vampire Nation, and Beast killing him and implanting the tracker gimmick into his, uh, what, that carbonadium, whatever the hell it is. You know, the whole, you know, unwitting double agent thing, or maybe it was triple or quadruple agent, I, I don't know. Beast tries to cut her off from speaking, however Colossus simply stands and armors up to ensure that she can keep spilling those beans. Sage argues that Red was cooperative during the Vampire Nation deal, and he only defected over to Mikhail after learning what X-Force had done to him. So basically, it's the system's fault, not old Arcades. Sage suggests that Red not only be resurrected, but also be used as an ally in their ongoing war against Mikhail Rasputin. Xavier says the Council will take it under advisement before dismissing the quarreling X-Forcers. As they leave, uh, well, Frazier calls Lilith out for getting the Council involved, suggesting that now they're going to have people constantly looking over their shoulders. Sage doesn't see this as being altogether a bad thing. What she does seem to be worried about, however, is the fact that one of the Cerebro helmets is currently offline. More on that in just a bit. First, info page. This is Forge's logbook regarding Omega Red. You see, he's been tasked with crafting an improved version of the Sea Synth. Now, Beast, he's part of this email chain, and he expresses trepidation, and he pushes all of the responsibility for this silly decision onto Sage, which, well, she shoulders it. That's a hard sentence to say. She shoulders it. Uh, Back to comics, and we got Forge at the cradle. Only there's no Cerebro helmet here. Hmm. He hears a chick-chick-chick sound, which he follows down a tunnel-like corridor, where he makes like a hentai and is attacked by a bunch of tentacles. We shift scenes to the point where X-Force is roundtabling the idea of resurrecting Omega Red. Beast, of course, is still very much against this. And I mean... I know he's supposed to be the unreasonable one here, but come on, he's like the only one talking logic here. 
Sage rattles off some spoo about uh, X-Force having two units, which she refers to as the head and the fist. And she suggests that they need a third unit, otherwise known as a heart. And I suppose Jean Grey was supposed to fill that role before she quit all those times. Now, Wolverine, he's also not too keen on bringing back Omega Red. Domino disagrees. She suggests that what X-Force did to Red was similar to what Weapon X had done to him. And Quentin, he just seems cool either way, though he does vow to put Red down should he get out of line. From here we hop over to Black Tom and the Veg. Tom finds himself suddenly tasting blood, and he attempts to follow his veggie taste buds to track down the source, and he's led to Forge's armory. Inside, he sees the hentai helmet Forge from the cover madly tinkering away at his workbench. Let's shift scenes to Mars, where we find Hank brooding on a cliffside, and he's joined by Abigail Brand. They talk for a bit, and Abby asks if she can touch his eye hole. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat, Brand, I don't know. Uh, from here, we get to a mostly blank quote page where Colossus says they should take a chance on Omega Red, though it's probably actually the Chronicler saying it, uh, which, you know, I mean, we totally needed to waste an entire page with this. Back to comics, and we are at the hatchery, where Omega Red is resurrected. Now, outside of Colossus and Xavier, only X-Force are present. So maybe this whole resurrection is being kept on the down-low, the hush-hush. Anyway, Red is given all of his memories back, and so he immediately lashes out at Beast, threatening to kill him right there. Colossus gets him to settle his tea kettle and drop old Hank to the ground. Now, when Beast hits, he sees Black Tom's face among the veg and suggests that maybe they ought to see what's going on with him. We jump ahead to minutes later, where X-Force is at the armory, where we see a blowed-up-headed forge laying on the ground, dead. As if to say, like, he only has the bottom half of his head. The rest of it is literally blown off. This takes us to our close, with the hentai helmet come to life having a bit of a stroll on a balmy Krakoan night. That's X-Force. Next time out, we're going to be talking about X-Men Red number one, which I'm very much looking forward to, and I hope you are as well. But uh, for now, let's talk uh, in brief about this issue here, which um, I want to preface. Uh, this is actually the issue that our vaunted and wonderful comics media tried to squeeze blood out of uh, due to the inconvenient Russianness of the Quiet Council scene. Um as with most of the times where the vaunted comics media tries to do this, it, uh, in my opinion, it was much ado about nothing. More a case of um, uh, inconvenient timing, or poor timing, than any actual, you know, stance being taken here. But, uh, well, that won't get you the clicks, you know. <laughs> you, you can't bleed cool out of that, so... Um, you gotta, you know, stir up the tempest in the teapot and hope for the extremes of both sides to start chipping in their two cents so we can actually get some of those clicks. So I didn't see it as being a terribly big deal. You know, it, it worked with the way the comic has been going here. Rush has been enemy number one in X-Force and both the Percy books since uh, since we launched. So didn't feel like it was a, a huge, you know, step out of line here to, to do this. So enough said about that. Um... Let's uh, talk a little bit about what actually happens in the issue here, and I think the big takeaway is that, uh, well, Omega Red is back. Again. Um, hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what the whole point of, you know, the dramatic fight scene 
at the end of uh, X Lives Number Five was if we're just going to bring them back the first opportunity we get. And I get that we're kind of we're comparing, you know, who, you know, we're trying to deduce who was the, you know, the sinner here. You know, was it was this Omega Red's fault? Was this Krakoa's fault? Was this the state's fault? Was it the X Force's fault? And I feel like this is a situation wherein everybody has a lot of blame. So I don't know if we're supposed to be seeing Omega Red as being this, you know, wide-eyed innocent who just got caught up in in things that were over his head. But I kind of feel like that might be that might be what they're trying to impress upon us. I I really don't know. Now, if I had to make a wild guess here, which I don't have to do, but I'll do it anyway. I would suggest that maybe Zlato, Zlato was never supposed to be its own thing. The way I look at it here, a lot of the deck chairs got rearranged. A lot of things got scrambled when uh, when Hickman announced he was leaving the line. And part of me thinks that uh, Percy already had this in mind for maybe a crossover between his two books. You know, X-Force and, and Wolverine would go back and forth for a month or two uh, with this... Uh, Zlato Zlato storyline just as a just as a story arc not as a transition from one era to the next and maybe if that were the case um, Omega Red would have you know I mean he would have been killed at the end of just an issue of X-Force and would have been brought back to the next issue of Wolverine which that's something we've seen you know we've seen characters die in issue two and come back in issue three and we don't think anything of it I think it's just simply due to the fact that he died in such a... Well, it wasn't a dramatic way he died, but it was at a pivotal point in a very important story, or a story we were told was going to be very important, that I feel like bringing him back cheapens it quite a bit. Perhaps that's an unfair position. Perhaps that's me asking for something to be what it was never supposed to be. But it just seems weird that he'd be back and... Really, nobody thinks it's all that weird except Beast. And, uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit about Beast here. He is, uh, well, he's an idiot. Um, I'm not a fan of how inept they're trying to make Beast appear here. Because he, I mean, he's a brilliant, a brilliant man. So he should really be smarter than this. And, I mean, even if he's letting his emotions take control here and he's finding himself becoming more and more sloppy... He, he's still not a dummy. So it, it just seems weird that they're trying to portray him as like this evil, sinister mastermind at the same time they're making him look like a horse's ass. And of course, in, in current year, if there's ever going to be a battle of wits between Beast and Sage, uh, Sage is going to win, you know, uh, 11 times out of 10. So I'm ready for Beast to come up short, but just the way... That they're going about it seems almost as though they've forgotten who this character is and has been for, I mean, going on 60 years now. Um, just seems like a like a willful ignorance of his intelligence. Um, I don't know, just to serve whatever this story is going to be here. And, and you know, like I said a, a few moments ago, I understand, you know, when emotions and... Um, gut feelings get in the way of uh, logic and, you know, empiricism and stuff like that. 
but this just seems like a swing a little bit a little bit too far uh, and you know that could just be me beast is and has always been one of my very favorite characters in the uh, in the X lineup and in, in comics in general so maybe I'm just not a fan of seeing him uh, portrayed uh, quite quite so poorly as as he was in this issue especially since just last episode we saw him in the annual going you know verbally sparring toe to toe with Emma Frost and actually uh, coming out on top. And here we have him just, like, tattling to the to the Quiet Council, looking like a real sniveling jerk, and, um, and ultimately, you know, not being effective in his role as the head of the mutant CIA here. Sage walks in, totally takes over the, uh, the hearing, and gets her way at the end. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep, uh, we'll put a pin in that, and, uh, we will keep tracking, uh, Beast's descent into, uh, idiocy, I suppose. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about here, and it's a small thing. It's a small thing, but I liked it quite a bit. Quentin Quire here. Um, when when Quentin, you know, stopped wearing his ironic T-shirts and started wearing his X-Force costume, I I wasn't sold on it immediately. I thought that we were taking away uh, what made Quentin special here, and we were trying to make him something that he isn't. Uh, you know, he was dating whichever cuckoo it was and was uh, acting a bit more mature. Then we're, we were accustomed to seeing him, you know. Uh, he still had his, you know, acerbic snarkiness to him. And he was still a little, you know, a little smartass. But it was different. And I wasn't immediately sold on it here. In this issue, however, I really enjoyed seeing his, his maturity shown. Um, you know, they had that debate, the X-Force debate here. Do we bring Omega Red back? Even though it was already, do we say it's a fate accompli? I mean, they knew what they were going to do. You know, this was going to happen because X-Force wasn't going to be the crew that was going to make the decision. It was going to be a quiet council decision. They would make up their mind. They would do what they were going to do. But to humor the team, to humor the Strike Force, they had the debate at the point. Now, Wolverine came out and said no. He's like, hey, I just cut that dude in half. Why are we going to bring him back? Right? And he's, and Omega Red's a dick. We can't trust him. So why are we going to bring him back? Domino takes the extreme other end here, com- comparing what X-Force did to Omega Red as to what uh, Weapon X did to Wolverine, which, I mean, I guess there's kind of a comparison there. Um, if you squint and uh, and maybe shoot yourself up a mile into the sky and look down on it. But Domino's point is well taken. You know, they did mistreat Omega Red here, and... It could be argued that he wasn't acting the way he would have otherwise if he, if X-Force didn't betray him, didn't kill him, didn't put the tracker in him. So Domino has a point. But then they turn it over to Quentin here for not exactly a tiebreaker in the debate because, of course, what they were going to do, what they were going to do. But he offers up a pretty mature take here. Now, he talks about Omega Red having trauma, having experienced trauma, how pain becomes part of you, comparing it to himself. And he talks about how when his cuckoo left him here, he thought about having that part of his experience and that part of his life removed upon his next resurrection, since Quentin dies all the time anyway. But he chose not to have that excised. He chose to keep the pain and the trauma because that was... That was what's making him into the person he's looking to become and is ultimately becoming. And he talks about how 
to do something like that, especially when it's the harder choice, it, it shows, you know, signs of, uh, of maturation. And I quite like that take, because part of this Omega Red deal is that he was going to be brought back knowing everything. You know, he was going to know that what Beast did to him. He was going to know that he was used by the vampires. He was used by X-Force. He was used by Mikhail Rasputin. He was going to know all of that. So, I mean, you can question whether or not something like that would be productive or maybe advantageous is a better word for it. Like, if you bring someone back with so much baggage, are they even worth bringing back? And, of course, we're, we're talking, you know, this is a very broad speaking here. This isn't a this isn't me opining on, on like evaluation of life or anything like that. This is all strictly in this comic, of course. So you wonder, is he going to be useful to us with all of this knowledge, with all of this information, with all this pain, with all this trauma? And Quentin, you know, out of the mouths of babes here, is uh is the one who speaks up and says, you know, this is what makes you you. This is what when offered the opportunity to come back clean, to come back at your most potentially useful, and choosing not to do that, it's a, the more difficult decision, because it, it just brings with it so much baggage, so much pain, and uh, I feel like I'm talking in circles now. <laughs> I feel like I kind of lost my point. I'm sorry, my head is a little cloudy still, but, uh, but uh, Quentin is showing great maturity here in not having his trauma removed. I mean, we saw the laundry list of changes he wanted to see made to his uh, his body, his physical body, his mental, you know, his spirit upon being brought back. Things like having, you know, sweat glands removed and, uh, you know, his junk made bigger and his hair color changed. All of these very superficial and shallow things that he changed thinking it was going to, I don't know, make his next go-round better? Maybe make his next go-round... I don't know. My point is, and I'm taking the extreme scenic route for this, is that in recent resurrections or in future resurrections, Quentin is not thinking about having anything, you know, altered traumatically, um, experientially, if that's even a word. It's a, it's a, it's a sign of him becoming more mature, which I really appreciated, and I didn't think it was going to be something I'd ever come around to. And so kudos to uh, Ben Percy for uh, for making that happen and for making me see this character in a totally different light than I ever expected to. But I think that's about all I have to say about this issue. I, I quite enjoyed it. Wasn't perfect. Nothing is, of course. But um, I would love to hear your thoughts on this book as well. If you're still following along with X-Force, even if you're just listening to me babble on about it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on things like Omega Red being brought back so quickly on how Beast is being portrayed as being quite inept, um, maybe even the maturation of Quentin Quire. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So if you have any thoughts, I invite you to share them. You can find me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, Instagram at 90sXmen. You can send a good old-fashioned email to Weird Science, well, no, not Weird Science, Weird Comics History at gmail.com. You can also call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. Of course, the complete audio archives are available at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. you find that anywhere the internet aggregates noise. But I think 
that'll do it for today. And uh, wow, we actually got uh, over 20 minutes out of this one. I never, and I wasn't even vamping. I, I was babbling, but I wasn't vamping. So, <laughs> how about that? Uh, anyway, I'd like to thank you all so much for choosing to spend some of your day with me as I babbled my way through this issue. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.